Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> I wake up, usually before the alarm clock goes off. I'm a snoozer, so it's one snooze. Uh, six o'clock in the morning. About 4.45 in the morning. Usually around 4.30. Very early. Get up, gotta take that shower. Have a cup of coffee. Staring out the window, possibly. Little Jesus time on a good day. Gotta take my dog out. 30 minutes to get the kids out, finally out of bed. Getting them up again 10 minutes later. Good morning, sweetie, like, oh, I missed you. And then it's noisy. Fight a little bit about what they're gonna wear. Some sort of breakfast. Fight about what they're gonna eat. Hurry up and eat, like, chew faster. Brush your teeth. Grab your book bag. One's trying to get out the door, trying to get dressed as he's going out the door. Trying to assemble at 645 to get everybody into the Suburban. Generally, we're speeding to the bus stop to get the kids to the bus stop on time. We have to do the Chick-fil-A run. Fight about uh, getting out of the car because we're late and they're embarrassed to come to the school bus. Have a great day. Well, hurry up. People are behind us in carpool. Got to roll the window down. Love you, honey, and embarrass him in front of all the middle schoolers, you know. It's chaos at our house. It's exhausting. <laughs> With four kids, they're all involved in something. Boy Scouts or JRTC. Maybe a track meet, it may be something with my daughter singing. Football, cross country, soccer, and band. Probably some kind of football game, baseball game. Wrestling, 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 basketball, and band. For baseball games, we typically, uh, depends on if all four of us are going. If all four of us are going, we need chairs. They need snacks or water. Like most things with two kids, it's chaotic and we've forgotten everything, so we gotta look for the chairs. All the backpacks. We need a, a uniform of some sort. Usually I haven't washed something. A book, two clarinets, a trombone. Grab the Febreze. It's the same thing as washing. Athletic gear into the back of the car. Baseball bags. Throw the cleats in. They need all the things. The dog. We usually end up at Chick-fil-A again. And then the kids, obviously. Um, so yeah. And that's just for a two-hour baseball game. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, New City. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank God for laughter. So good uh, to have you guys here with us all across our campuses. And to those of you who may be watching online, I'm Pastor Rodney, and I enjoy being in the presence of God's people. You guys doing all right this morning? Yes. Good, good. We're so, so glad you guys are with us. So if you were not with us last week, we began a brand new series entitled Giving Up. Well, the bottom line is simply giving up to God what we hold most dear. Giving up to God what we hold most dear. And so last week, Chris started us off by talking us through the idea of influence and how God gives us a space to give others his grace. You remember that? God gives us a space to give others his grace. He taught us from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and he challenged us to give up our influence relationally, professionally, geographically, and as it relates to our holy discontent, our holy discontent. And so in this week, in installment number two, we'll be talking about giving up our time. Amen? Giving up our time. Let's pray together. Father God in heaven, thank you for this day that was not promised, Lord. Thank you for being such a good, good father. Can't do anything, Lord, for where well, we missed it on yesterday, but say that we're sorry. She woke us up today, Lord, with fresh breath, brand new mercies, an opportunity to know you better and to love you more deeply. So, God, we commit this space of time into your hands. Give us ears to hear, 
hearts to receive and the discipline to apply your word. Do whatever you got to do, God, but get the glory out of this space and time, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. So giving up our time. Interesting uh, thing I came across uh, not too long ago. It was the American Time Use Survey. The American Time Use Survey of 2018, it stated some things that might surprise you and it might not. It said that most Americans spend 8.5 hours a day working, 2.8 hours a day watching TV, for some of us more, 144 minutes on social media, it's just over two hours, and 8.5 hours a day sleeping. Now, if you're tracking with me, that's just over 22 hours. Just over 22 hours. And that doesn't even include eating breakfast, eating dinner, taking the kids to practice or wherever, wherever else you gotta take the kids. Doesn't, doesn't include the time we spend commuting back and forth to work or anything else that might be important to the average person. Now, truthfully, many of us have days that are so jam-packed that we barely even make time to take proper care of ourselves. Because honestly, we, we live life on the go, don't we? We live life on the go. But sadly, for most of us, our schedules are full, but our hearts aren't. Our schedules are full, but our hearts aren't. Because, I mean, we make time for all kinds of things, right? If your favorite team is playing, you make time for them, won't you? Or remember when you first met your significant other, you were sweet on them, you was crushing on them, you made time for them, didn't you? So we make time for all kinds of things, yet we are still largely unfulfilled on a personal level. Largely unfulfilled on a personal level. And so we hear the phrase time management. Time management. But if you're anything like me, I, I don't know, I wrestle with that. Can we, can we really manage time? I mean, can we? I mean, for me, you know, trying to manage time is like trying to herd cats, right? I mean, I mean good luck with that, right? So, so, so what do we do? What do we do? Because the truth, of, the truth of the matter is, is a lot of us are worn out mentally, physically, always trying to play catch up in this thing called life. We never really feel like we have enough time in the day to do the things that we want to do, right? Yet time remains one of the most valuable resources that God has given to us. Time remains one of the most valuable resources that God has given. Let me take you back to Genesis 1.26 for a second. And it reads, Then God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So for you and I, that means that God has gave us dominion over everything, including our time, including our time. So while we may not be able to manage time per se, we certainly can manage our activities in time. Amen? And so for you and I, what that means is we have a responsibility to steward well the resource of time that God gives us by using it, watch this, in the context of his will, not our own. By using it in the context of his will, 
not our own. I love this quote I saw by Dr. Tony Evans about a week ago. He said, when time becomes more important than eternity, you lose in time. When time becomes more important than eternity, you lose in time. So I think the question that a lot of us need to be asking ourselves is this. With everything I have going on, where's God in that? Where's God in everything that I have going on? There's value in giving up the resource of time. So today, I want to look at Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 17. If you have a copy of the scriptures in front of you, you can turn, turn to it. It should be preloaded on the app. As you do, let me give you a little context, a little backdrop here, because I think this scripture has some good things to say as it relates to helping us give our time back to God. Most of you probably know that Ephesians is commonly known as one of the prison epistles, one of the prison epistles, because it was one of the letters that Paul penned while he was a prisoner in Rome. If you remember when we concluded our sent series in Acts chapter 28, we talked about Paul arriving to Rome to fulfill the purpose that God had for him as a prisoner. And so this is where he was when he pens this letter to Ephesians. Now, in this book of Ephesians, Paul addresses both correct belief and correct behavior. He addresses both correct belief and correct behavior that should flow from correct belief. In the first couple of chapters, he deals with belief. And then in chapter 4, verse 1, he begins to transition into behavior when he said this, I therefore... A prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So he starts there to transition into the very practical side of this book. And in verse 5, in verse 1 rather of chapter 5, he continues by saying, be imitators of God. Be imitators of God. Then in the first section of, of chapter 5, he talks about walking in love. Then after that, he talks about walking as children of the light. And then here in verse 15, he says, look carefully then how you walk. Some translation says, walk circumspectly. So let's read this. I was trying to give y'all time to get to Ephesians. We got it? If, if you got it, say, I got it. <laughs> Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Understanding what the will of the Lord is. So I want to show, show you today three things in this scripture that I believe will begin to help you and I begin to make the best use of the time. Is that all right? I want to start by clarifying something. Um, it says make the best use of the time. So the time in this text is not referring to time in general. Now notice it doesn't say make the best use of time. It says make the best use of the time. And so what Paul is referring to is not that you and I should get as much done in the day as we can. Amen. What he's referring to is that we ought to use the opportunities of the day to bring God glory. Does that make sense? We ought to use the opportunities of the day to bring God glory. Now, make note also that the scripture says make the best use of the time. 
We're going to come back and get that in a minute. It says make the best use of the time. So looking at this, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, it begins by saying, look carefully then how you walk. So number one, if you're taking notes, the first thing that will help us make the best use of the time is examine your walk. Examine your walk. In other words, take stock, take inventory of just where it is your time is going. Now, I'm going to hit you in the stomach with this one. You ever been on, you ever been on social media and you've just been scrolling, just looking, laughing, scrolling, and you look up and an hour has passed? Come on, don't raise your hand. Don't, don't raise your hand. I, I, want you, I want nobody to look at you funny. But, but that happens to a lot of us, right? And so we have, if we examine our time, what we'll find is that we have a lot of these unprofitable time slots in our day. We have a lot of them. I would venture to say that when we examine our time, we'll find that we waste more time than we think we do. And so here, the first thing that we're called to do, if we're going to make the best use of the time, is examine our walk. Now, I want you to know that that doing this, making the best use of the time, this is intentional work. This is intentional. This is day by day, moment by moment. We have to be able to capture what's going on in order for us to make the best use of the time because the context here is making the best use of the time as it relates to the life that we are called to live in Christ. As it relates to the life that we are called to live in Christ. I came across this article um, some time ago and the guy wrote the article and it was um, him summarizing an interview that he heard with Tony, Tony Robbins. And so the article basically talked about three common things that steal our time. Three common things. It was pain, pleasure, and people. Pain, yeah, <laughs> pleasure, and people. So now we know off the top that pain is a distractor, right? Pain, pain will distract you. If you're anything like me, if you got a headache or a toothache, nothing else in the world matters. You hear me? Nothing. But interestingly enough, what he was referring to in an article was how we tend to avoid pain. We tend to avoid pain and it robs us of our time. You know, like we try, to, we try to avoid, sometimes we won't go after something because we're afraid to fail. And maybe that failure can be painful so we avoid it. It robs our time. There are certain things and issues that we have in our own lives that maybe we won't address because we think it can be painful. Or for some of us, it's, it's change. We feel change coming, we think change is coming, and we try to avoid it, and it robs us of our time. And then he talked about people. Uh, then he talked about pleasure, rather. How in society, a lot of us overindulge in pleasure. We overindulge in, in, in things that bring pleasure to us. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe that, that, that God has created some wonderful things on this earth for us to enjoy. Amen? Like for me, I have a sweet tooth like you would not believe. And so if you put a honey bun in front of me, I am distracted for sure. It will show enough rob me of some of my time. But by and large, we overindulge in pleasure. We overindulge and it robs us of our time. 
And then he talked about people. How pe other people's demands rob us of our time. Amen, somebody. Other people's demands. Now, well-meaning people, well-meaning people who want the best for us in a lot of cases. But unbeknownst to them and us, it robs us of our time. And here's the thing. Most of the time, we don't even know that our time is being stolen. Most of the time, we don't even know. This is interesting. Um, I, I, just, I just learned this as I studied for this message, that there's a spirit behind this. There's a spirit behind this robbing or stealing of our time. This spirit is determined to get us to do what is good rather than what is best. Scripture said do, we are to make the best use of the time. But there's a spirit behind this. If someone offered you good, better, and best, what would you take? Best, right? Your, your enthusiasm is overwhelming. You, 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 would, you, you, would say, you would say the best, right? You would say the best. Emphatically, you would. And so would I. And this is what we were called to do. The call of God on your life and the call of God on my life requires us to make the best use of the time. But John 10.10 says that the thief comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy, right? And so if he can't rob it from us altogether, he'll get us to settle for what is good rather than what's best. Does this make sense? Here's what I've learned, that our time is under attack. Your time and my time is under attack. See, the enemy understands the eternal weight that time can have when we steward it well. He understands the eternal weight. He's been at this for a long time. And so he understands that if God's children use his time wisely or make the best use of the time, it carries weight. And so the first thing we see here is that we ought to examine our walk. Number two, verse 15 continues by saying, not as unwise, but as wise. Verse 17, he says it again. Therefore, do not be foolish. Don't be foolish. Number two, if you're taking notes, we are to ask for wisdom. So we examine our walk and then we ask for wisdom. If we're going to make the best use of the time, we have to ask for wisdom. Because truthfully, some of us have some patterns of behavior or some ways of doing things whereby we need God's help to change, right? In other words, here's what I'm saying. You, you can't just do this on your own. It's not just about developing a new pattern or a new discipline. Sometimes it's about deliverance. God, I need your wisdom to deliver me from me. Amen? Amen. And so you and I have to be wise if we are to make the best use of the time. There is a clear emphasis of the need for wisdom here in this text. Clear emphasis. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Here's something else to note. Wisdom requires humility. Wisdom requires humility. Here's what I mean. We must be willing to submit to someone or something in order to draw wisdom from it. Now, it sounds simple on the surface, but we have a tendency to judge things, right? 
In other words, some of us are, if, if you drive a Mercedes and somebody that drives a Ford comes and tries to tell you something about your car, you might not listen, right? Because they drive, they drive a Ford, you drive a, a Mercedes. But I want you to know that wisdom can come from anywhere. Wisdom can come from anywhere. I never forget it. Some years ago, I am in D.C. and I'm a part of a homeless ministry. And we used to go out dead of winter. We used to leave the church at 9 p.m. At 9 p.m., we would go down to the city with whatever we had, suit, coffee, gloves, scarves, coats, whatever we had, and we would go down to minister to the homeless population. Now, if you've ever dealt with the homeless population, you know a lot of times they really just don't want to be bothered. They really don't. And so this particular night, we go down. It was incredibly cold. It had to be like 20 degrees. And if you know D.C. at all, D.C. has what we call the grates on the ground. They're almost like um, uh, an air conditioning vent that's on the floor. Well, the grates that are uh, on the streets, they release the steam from the subway system below. So if it's 20 degrees outside, a lot of homeless, a lot of the homeless population make their pallet on the grates. So if it's 20 degrees outside, it might be 45 or 50 on the grates. And so one night we come up and we see this particular gentleman, he's on the grate, and we go up doing what we normally do, and we say, hey, we're from XYZ Ministry, and, and we got this, and we got that. And, and, and so he was gracious unto us, but there was a moment where he said, uh, uh, listen, let me tell you guys something. He proceeded to tell us his story about how he used to be a doctor. I never forget it. He looked at us and he said, one moment of indiscretion can change your entire life. One moment. He said, one, I made one bad decision and things in my life spiraled out of control and here I am. And that stuck with me. Had I judged him because he was a homeless man, I wouldn't have been in position to receive the wisdom that God had for me through this guy some 15 years ago. And so for you and I, if we are going to make the best use of the time, we have to be willing, we got to be vulnerable enough to not only examine our walk, but to ask for wisdom. Amen? Third thing we see here is he says, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, I've dealt with this quite a bit. As a minister and as a life coach, I deal with people a lot uh, regarding their purpose, you know, aligning purpose and passion and God, what have you called me to do and what am, I, what am I supposed to do and where am I supposed to be? And so I've dealt with this a lot. And I have concluded that for a lot of us, we overcomplicate this process. We overcomplicate this. Yes, we should, we should strive to know uh, or understand God's will, but by and large, we complicate this process. Let me take you back to a couple of weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago, we did a series called Art of Neighboring. You remember that? And in that series, we talked about what the greatest commandment is. If you remember, the greatest commandment is to love God and love your neighbor, right? Overall, this is God's will for all of us. Love God and love your neighbor. This is God's plan. So once we make God's plan our priority, other things begin to show up. This is what 
Matthew 6, 33 is all about when it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. But for you and I, it's as simple as keeping the main thing, the main thing. Let me say it this way. John 4, 34, uh, Jesus said, my meat or my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish the work. To do the will of him that sent me and to finish the work. So Jesus made a distinction between will and work. He made a distinction between will and work. Now this is interesting for us because a lot of people that I've come across, we get caught up on the work. God, God, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing? God, where, am I supposed to stay at this job or, or leave this job? Or, or what am I supposed to do? We get caught up in the work. But here's what I've come to understand. The work falls under the umbrella of the will. So when we make God's will our priority, the work will automatically show up. You won't have to look for it. You won't have to chase it. You won't have to. It, it will automatically show up when you make God's will your priority. Loving God and loving one another. And so for you and I, it's just that simple. This is why we spent time in the Art of Neighboring series getting back to the basics. Because that's essentially, that's essentially the beginning of understanding what the will of the Lord is. That's the beginning of it. Because when we spend enough time with God, he'll make us, he'll make us the way we're supposed to be. We don't have to focus on what's right or what's wrong. Am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to do that? Just spend time with the one who's perfect. And he'll do everything else. And so for you and I, if we are to make the best use of the time, we have to examine our walk, we have to ask for wisdom, and we have to understand what his will is. There is value in giving up our time. When we give up our time, we gain his peace, his presence, we gain purpose, among other things. Listen, I know you're busy. I know you're busy. I know you have a ton of responsibilities, a ton of things that you have to look after and a ton of things that you're in charge of, but nobody was busier than Jesus. When I look at his life, I ask myself, how was it that he was able to get all of these things done? And I realize it's because he had purpose attached to everything he did. It was purpose attached to everything. I love this scripture in John 21, 25. That, that essentially says, now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. I love that. In other words, you take everything Jesus did, you write it down, put it in the book, put all the books in the world, the world is not big enough. So why is that? He had purpose attached to everything he did. There's, it's not a coincidence that understanding what the will is is connected to making the best use of the time. That's not by coincidence because that's how we do it. Understanding the will of the Father helps you and I to better prioritize our time so that we're more effective for the kingdom. Understanding God's will is literally the difference between what is good and what is best. Because when we understand that, we, we're no longer content with what's good. We strive for what's best. And not only that, we'll recognize something that, eh, that's good, but God created me for his best. All of the resources that God has given to you and I, 
All of the resources to include time. All of the resources are designed to point us back to the source, which is God. And so making the best use of the time is essentially a loving father calling his children to spend more time with him. Whatever that looks like for you. My brother told me years ago, he said, if it's important to you, do it early. That may not work for your schedule. But if we are to make the best use of our time, we should examine our walk, ask for wisdom, and understand his will. It's a great starting point. And my bottom line is this. When we give up the resource of time, we gain the blessing of relationship. When we give up the resource of time, we gain the blessing of relationship. We chase after all of these things in the world looking for fulfillment. But family, nobody knows your heart like God does. Nobody can fulfill your heart like he can. All it takes is for you and I to stop for a second and take enough time to give the resource of time that he gave us back to him. It not only makes him smile, but it makes our life full. Now we no longer have full schedules, but we have four hearts. When we give up the resource of time, we gain the blessing of relationship. To God be the glory. Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, we bless you. We honor you. Thank you for interrupting our lives to help us begin to make the best use of the time that belongs to you anyway. We acknowledge, God, that we've made our schedules full and left you out of our plans. But we're grateful, Lord, for another day to walk upright, to be just, and to be pleasing in your sight. Thank you that this is not about living a perfect life. There's only one that's perfect, and that's you. But you did call us to be in a loving relationship with you, and that requires the best use of our time. So God, as the days, weeks, and the months go on, we pray that you would help us to examine our walks, to challenge any unprofitable time slots that we may have. And as we navigate this process, help us to be vulnerable to ask for wisdom. And as we do, help us to strive to better understand what your will is, that we may give you the glory in every single thing we do. Thank you for this process. Thank you for your plan. And thank you for these people. Thank you for loving us the way you do. Be glorified now as we move ahead in life, giving up the things that are most dear. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.